Blog Talk Radio. Hello, everybody. It's Zach Van Norman with Once Upon a Fan coming to you with uh, Once Upon a Fan's, what is our fourth podcast now? Yeah. And I'm joined by my regular co-host, Amy. Amy, how are you doing? Good. Fabulous. How are you? Doing totally fabulous as well. Thank you very much for asking. Um, so for everybody who's listening, we're going to have a, have a, be a little bit different tonight. Uh, we really want people to be calling in. We haven't been able to talk to any of our listeners um, you know, for the past couple of shows. So right now it's just going to be me and Amy, and we're just going to kind of go through the regular news roundup and you know, kind of review the episode and talk about that as we normally would. But then we definitely want to get some of you folks on the line. So uh, the number to call in is 347-677-1653. Uh, go ahead, and uh, I will give the signal when is a good time to start calling because we're not quite ready yet, and I don't want everyone to sit on hold forever. But uh, if you want to, you know, if you're listening to the show, you want to give us a ring, talk about a couple of things, we'd love to have you on. So I'm going to get right into it with the weekly news roundup, of course. Uh, so the first thing that we've got here is the People's Choice Awards are going on right now. And uh, we've got Jennifer Goodwin nominated for Favorite TV Actress, and we've got a couple of other nominations, don't we, Amy? Yeah, we actually just finished with the round where everybody went on the site and voted to narrow down the nominees. But now they have the actual official nominees, so it's important that people realize that just because they voted before, they still need to go back into peopleschoice.com and vote, vote, vote for all of our once cast that are nominated. Um, Jenny Goodwin made the finalist list. She is nominated for Best Actress in a Sci-Fi or Fantasy Show, which we are very excited for. We also have Hook and Emma, which I actually wasn't even aware that they were one of the finalists to be put on the nomination list, but the couple of Hook and Emma were nominated for Best On-Screen Chemistry. So out of all of these couples, they're one of the final five. So we can go in and vote for that, tweeting about today as well. And I'm sure a lot of our followers saw it on Twitter that the actual show itself was also nominated and made it to the finalist uh, list of nominees. So Once Upon a Time was nominated for Best Sci-Fi Fantasy Show. And it's up against some you know, tough competition, so we really need all of our fan community to get behind it and jump on there. And you actually can vote more than one time. You can go into the website just whenever you happen to think about it, jump in there and vote, vote, vote. And I'd love to see Once Upon a Time win the People's Choice Award this year. Yeah, definitely me too. Um, I think that it needs to get some recognition because it's obviously, you know, had a pretty profound impact on, you know, a couple of things. I mean, like, you know, it's been everywhere. There's been a lot of fairy tale shows and, you know, a lot of talk of true love and things like that in different places that I've seen on different shows I've been watching now. So, um, it's obviously having an impact on our pop culture, and it definitely needs to get some recognition for, you know, the good show that it is and, you know, everything like that. So I definitely agree. Make sure you go to peopleschoice.com to vote. And the nominations are under, let me see. We've got, Ginny is under, yeah, well, you said all that already. So, um, but we've got Hook and Emma for Best Chemistry, once for Best Sci-Fi or Fantasy Show, and then Ginny Goodwin is under um, Favorite TV Dramatic Actress, I think, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, I think it's sci-fi um, or fantasy. Sci-fi, sci-fi fantasy actress. Thank you very much. Yeah. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Cool. Thank you for getting, catching me there. All right. And then we've also got um, the Killing Kennedy premiere, which is on Sunday at 8 o'clock. Um, Jennifer Goodwin is going to be in that. She's playing Jacqueline Onassis Kennedy. Um, and so that's going to be on at the same time as Once Upon a Time. So set your DVRs to record both. 
Um, make sure you can watch both of those. And if you want to watch it, it's on the National Geographic channel. And that's 8 o'clock. Make sure you also check some of your listings and see if it's on any repeats because sometimes they'll show it later on the same day or even the next day. So make sure that you look for that. Amy, do you have any other information on that that you want to share with us for Killing Kennedy? Um, they actually had sort of an official premiere. I believe it was yesterday. And Jenny was supposed to attend. Uh, her and Josh both were supposed to attend. Um, I think it was in L.A., but they had mm -hmm. delayed flights, and they ended up being so late that they didn't make it to the premiere. So I know she had tweeted earlier today that she was really disappointed she couldn't be there. But this is a project. She keeps talking about how proud she is of it. And I personally was kind of skeptical when I heard that Jenny – I love Jenny, but I was skeptical when I heard that she got cast as Jackie O. But I've seen a lot of the trailers and things for this movie now, and she really – looks like she's captured Jackie O. So I'm actually really kind of excited to get into it and see it. I'll have to watch it when it re-shows because I'll definitely be watching Once Upon a Time on Sunday, but I'm definitely going to try and catch that. <laughs> yeah, definitely me too. I'm, I'm probably going to be one of the people who is setting my DVR to record that because I you know, yeah. I want to see that, but I can't miss Once Upon a Time because you know, I've got to watch that too. So I'm going to be one of those. Um, and it's funny too because in a lot of the like in the you know the picture that I saw on Twitter today of the advertisement for that show, mm -hmm. it doesn't um, or for that movie, it's like a movie, right? Um, it's, yeah. uh It it doesn't look like her at all. Like, and I was like, wow, that's really like I don't know if it's just the lighting or the makeup or whatever it is, but it didn't look like Jenny to, at all to me. I don't know if I'm the only one, but I was like, man, I I can't wait to actually watch this and because I don't I haven't watched any of the trailers or anything yet. I'll be honest. Because um, I'd rather just watch. Yeah, I'm just weird about trailers. I only want to see trailers for certain things. And otherwise, I just want to go in totally blind. You know me, I have a big no spoiler thing. So, yeah. Um, anyways, going on to the next thing. Uh, the next big thing in the news for us, at least personally, is the Enchanticon convention, which is November 22nd, 23rd, and 24th in Orlando. Uh, and of course, Once Upon a Fan is going to be there. Uh, we're holding our panel at 6 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time. Uh, that Saturday, which is the 23rd. So if you are going to be in the area or you can still make the arrangements, we'd love to see you guys you know, at our panel. We're going to be talking about the website, um, you know, the history of it. Everyone on staff will be there. So you know, it's going to be pretty exciting. And if you want to talk to us or you know, before or afterward, you can do so because we will be uh, kind of in groups. Well, not really in groups, but kind of staggered arrivals. But um, we will be in Orlando starting on November 18th, which is uh, Monday. Uh, we're not going to be in the parks or anything, though, but we're going to start that on Tuesday. So from Tuesday through Friday, we will be out and about in Disney World, and you can come see us and hang out. And if you want, and let us know. You can find more information on our Facebook page as well as our Twitter, and you can go to EnchantedCon.com to find out more about the convention itself. Uh, Amy, I'm sure you would probably want to chime with a few more things on that, though, right? Amy, do I still have you? Yep, I'm here. I can hear you now. <laughs> cool. cool. There you go. Awesome. Technical difficulties. Please hold for transfer. <laughs> all right. So do you have anything else you want to add about EnchantaCon at all? I mean, just, you know, before we get on anything else, like the uh, the auction? Well, I just that we're really excited about going. I know a few of us are still kind of trying to work out the budget because it is well, you know, a little expensive. But it's definitely going to be worth it to be able to see everybody and 
meet a lot of the fans, a lot of these people that we've only ever talked to on Facebook and Twitter and through emails and things. So I know we're all very, very excited. Yeah, because for everybody who's listening, you know, for anyone who isn't aware, uh, the Once Upon a Fan staff, it's in pretty much a volunteer basis. We don't actually, you know, get paid or anything for this. So for us to all get together and be able to meet, you know, it's kind of a big deal. But, yeah, it can also, especially with the holidays coming up and everything, things just kind of seem to yes. happen. So it's just funny how that works out. But, so, you know, <laughs> if you can't come to the, to, you know, to the convention or down to the parks for the same reasons, we totally understand. But if you can make it down and you want to hang out with us or anything like that, please come on down and let us know. You can get in touch with us on Facebook and Twitter and all the usual social media methods as well as emailing uh, newsroom at onceuponafans.com. So you can also do that. Um, the other thing that we've got in our news, of course, is we want to let everybody know about our auction. We're going to keep mentioning that um, more as we get closer to it. Um, we're going to be having a charity auction this year. And you can find more information, of course, on onceuponafans.com. But essentially, we are going to be doing it for uh, Stand Up to Cancer. That's the charity that we have chosen to associate ourselves with this year. Um, we've got a lot of items that are up for auction. Um, we've got uh, some of Laura Foster's dolls. For those of you who are familiar with our admin of um, our Facebook page, Laura, she does the knit dolls, which are totally fantastic. I have one that's an Emma doll, and we all, I think most of us almost have one now, I think, um, everyone on staff at least. And then a bunch of people on, you know, you can order them from her if you like, so you can get in touch with her on those if you want. Uh, just keep in mind that she does have a lot going on. So make sure that you choose your doll carefully because it may be the first one she can get to you. All right, and then let me see here. Um, some of the other auction items that we have, um, we've got um, an autographed script um, that was signed by all of the cast members. We've got um, a drawing that was sent in by our friend Deej, who uh, her drawing of Regina won one of the Fan Art Fridays that they have in the writer's room. Got an autographed picture of Tony Amendola, who plays, I hope I said that name right, who plays Geppetto. Um, stuff from Chad Michael Collins. Um, a few just little, you know, knickknacks from different oncers trying to, you know, raise some money. We've also got um, a replica of Henry's storybook which I brought with me when I went down to San Diego Comic-Con this year, and the entire main cast signed it. Um, so we've got Jennifer Morrison, Jane Goodwin, Josh Dallas, um, Lana Priya, Robert Carlyle, Michael Raymond James, Emily DeRobin, Colin O'Donoghue, and we've also got um, Eddie Kitsis and Adam Horowitz. And it's all on the first page. It makes a really good kind of like photo album. If you go to onceuponafans.com, you will find our Stand Up to Cancer. Um, there's a link there on the main page to that. And under the donation section, there's actually a video um, of me with the book. So if you want to um, take a look at it in person and see pictures, you can go there for that. Uh, last year, we raised $14,000 for the With Kids charity. So this year, we're trying to get a little bit more going on. So please make sure that you, you know, if you have anything you want to donate to the auction, um, or if you're interested in purchasing any of the items, that you, you know, take a look at the website and make sure that you get ready for that. That auction is happening in December. So you can expect uh, to see more information you know, being announced as we go along with that. Um, Amy, do you want to add anything to that about the, the uh, auction? Just that I desperately want that book for myself. <laughs> sure, yeah, I know the feeling. I, I, to be honest, I almost feel like Henry having it with me because I feel like I need to carry it around like everywhere in my backpack, right? Like, because right. I don't want to like... I don't want anything bad to happen to it, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like I need to have it with me at all times. Like, I'm so, I'm so paranoid about still having it with me here. Um, but, yeah, so we're going to be doing it raffle style with this auction. Um, 
there'll be some tickets involved. And, but yeah, you can find more information on the website there. All right, so let's go ahead and get into the episode review, if we want to do that, which of yeah. course this week, and I think that might be a little bit more interesting as we talk about this episode since there's just the two of us so far. But this week the episode was called Ariel, and of course it was the Little Mermaid episode that finally arrived because I've been yeah. waiting since the first season, as most of us have been, to, uh, to get to the Little Mermaid story. And it was always something that they said was going to be introduced, but, you know, it had to be at the right time. And it feels like mixing this with Neverland is just the perfect time to do it. So um, I'm kind of going to just go through a little bit of things here. I have a ton of notes, as I always do on every episode. Um, let me see. The first part of it, which I loved, when Snow White is under, you know, pursuit from Regina's guards at the very start of the episode, and she runs to the cliff, and, you know, they have their conversation. And then, you know, like before they have, before she talks to the guards, right, she goes to the cliff, and she looks out, and she's like, really? And it totally reminded me of Emma. <laughs> Emma says, that's exactly how Emma says it. And, like, especially yeah. in, like, A Land Without Magic, when she's shooting Maleficent the Dragon, nothing where she's like, really? Like, and then she said yeah. it in the second season, too. So I just love that that was, like, how she has that character trait and doesn't even kind of know it. Like, I just, I thought that was really cool. I like how they worked that in there. What do you think about that, Amy? I think so, too. I think Emma has a lot in common with fairy tale Land, Enchanted Forest, Snow. I see a lot of parallels between them. And now, I mean, Mary Margaret, now she realizes she's Snow, so we're just starting to see a stronger Mary Margaret, but I still don't feel like she's quite as strong and bold as she was when she was full-on Snow White in the flashbacks that we see. And that's the character of hers that I feel like Emma is so much like. And I almost think that probably she sees that. I'd love to see them go into that, see her mention on one of the episodes, you know, wow, Emma's so much like me, you know, because I see definite parallels between those two. Yeah, I, I agree. Like, I, I just love, I love how they're connecting their relationship, especially with what came later in the episode in the cave, which I don't want to get into yet, but, oh my good gravy, that part, oh my God. Okay, so, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, um, uh, Snow White got rescued by Ariel, of course, as the mermaid, which was totally fantastic. Um, I really think that Joanna Garcia Swisher, who plays Ariel, um, I, I thought she was perfect, actually. She seems yeah. so much like a real version of the animated character. Like, it, I don't know, I just, there was just something about it that just really struck me. She was really sweet, kind of, and innocent, but at the mm. same time, like, I almost expected her to, like, you know, she could totally smack some people across the face with her tail if they said the wrong thing to her. You know what I mean? Right. Like, she's, it's just, <laughs> yeah. she's, she's not the kind of mermaid you want to mess with. So I just, I thought that she, was, she did a really good job. Amy, what are your thoughts on her performance? I loved her. And I know the fans have been clamoring for a Little Mermaid and an Ariel episode ever since, before the show actually even started, I had seen speculation of, oh, I hope they bring Ariel in, I hope they bring her in. And I was excited for Ariel because I've always been a huge Little Mermaid fan. You know, as a Disney yeah, fan, too. I think most Disney fans are. But having seen the episode, I am glad that they waited, that even though everybody was clamoring for it, that they held off because I think it does fit really well with Neverland. Even in the Peter Pan cartoon, and I know any of you mm-hmm. have ridden the Peter Pan ride, there's actually 
a mermaid that kind of resembles Ariel, and I think that that's a good fit because everybody knows the mermaids are, you know, part of the Neverland lore. So I thought it fit really well. I feel like Joanna Garcia Swisher was perfect. She was just spot on Ariel. She looked like her. She sounded the way I thought she should sound. She seemed so, I don't know, like bright-eyed and excited and genuinely, you know, really in awe of the world around her and everything. And I, I loved her. I thought she was amazing. Yeah, I thought that it was so, so good. I just thought that, I mean, I thought she did, I, yeah, the whole thing, like, for, from start to finish, the whole concept of the Little Mermaid mixed with Neverland, Peter Pan, I mean, it's, per, I mean, it's perfect to me. There's, there, like, everything that you just said is exactly the reason why I'm loving the combination, because there are right. mermaids in Peter Pan, and it makes sense that, you know, like, yeah, I just, I love the whole idea. I really love Joanna Garcia Swisher playing Ariel, um, she did a great job. And also, the, there was something, too, that I noted. From what I read online, um, she is a friend of Jennifer Morrison. I read that in one of her interviews. And mm-hmm. when, um, when Ariel is telling Snow White about, you know, Eric, meeting Eric and everything, she goes, see, here's the thing. And I was like, that, that's what Emma says. Like, Emma says, okay, here's the <laughs> thing. Like, I don't know if it's because they were friends that it was kind of like a nod to that or anything or if it's just, you know, some, just the line that they wrote, or if I'm just you know being crazy, but I couldn't help but notice that, like, because I I literally just read that interview tonight and like today during the day, and then you know rewatched the episode before the podcast, so I could get a refresher, and I when right. that really stood out to me, I just thought like I don't know if that's what it was supposed to be, but if it was, totally like that's totally awesome. Anyway, so um, it, when they were in Neverland, right, like after the credits rolled and everything, Regina was sitting there teaching Emma how to use magic, telling her she has to use her anger and, you know, focus on starting the fire. And then Emma's yeah. like, okay, well, there has to be a way of doing it without going dark. And then, you know, they <laughs> – she's like, you are – I, I can't remember Regina's exact words. You're a pathetic waste of talent or potential or something. And then Emma's like, well, you're a monster, and then the fire starts. Now, okay. Yeah. Okay. Here's what I have to say about that, all right? You, I don't know. I mean, maybe it's – I don't know if I was the only one, but you don't see who started the fire. Like, you don't know if it was actually Emma who started it or if it was Regina who did it to make Emma think that there was anger, like, needed to make magic work, right? Like, uh, hmm, yeah. I mean, I just – I mean, I was like, maybe she did, maybe she didn't. I don't know. Like, I just – I hate – I, yeah, maybe I'm just too much of a, you know – of an ugly duckling because I'm just like, no, of course Emma didn't do that based off of anger. Why would she? <laughs> but, you know, like, <laughs> like maybe she did. Who knows? But um, I just thought that it was interesting that Regina is sitting there teaching Emma how to use magic in front of Snow White and Prince Charming and that Snow White's like, yeah, she needs to learn. And I'm like, you're letting the evil queen teach your kid how to use magic? This is so unexpected. Like, I would almost yeah. think that Charming would be the one who's like, let it happen, and Snow's just like, no. But it was, the fact that it was reversed, I thought it was just such an interesting play on the relationship. Definitely. I think Emma, the way I perceived it from watching it, I think it was Emma that started the fire. I think she got so angry yeah, I don't want to say that, that, but that's what she I think, started too. It. <laughs> but I also feel like Regina, I mean, she she was purposely going above and beyond to be really snotty and snarky and she was poking at Emma and it not even, you know, 
in her normal, I'm going to be snarky and witchy to you, but she was trying to get Emma to this point where she got this response out of her because it's really the only way for that they see right now to be able to present a strong front and get Henry and defend themselves. So I think uh, that I do feel like it was Emma that started it. She just got so tick Regina right then that she was able to do it. But Maury just posted in the chat room that she would love for Merlin to teach Emma magic. I think that would be hilarious. I think that would be so awesome, especially, like, I mean, while, you know, I would love if Merlin was some, which it's funny, actually, that Merlin just got brought up, because that's something I want to talk about here in just a second with something else that was said. But um, I think it would be great if Merlin was, like, kind of, like, goofy. I mean, not not goofy, like the Disney character goofy, but, like... Mm -hmm. Like, um, just if he was, like, more of a goofy version, like the animated version, because I can just see Emma being like, are you kidding me right now? You're expecting me to learn from this bouncy old man who, like, can't stop messing stuff up. Are you serious? Like, really? Like, (laughs) like, but at the same time, I would totally want Merlin to be this total badass dude who can, like, you know, just, I mean, throw down like no other. Like, I mean, I think that would be totally awesome. Maybe he'll oh, wow, that would be such a, a – oh, I, may, I just want to write that now. Yeah, right. <laughs> write the theory? Yeah, yeah. He'll come it's, in Yeah, with well, not even the theory. Just like, <laughs> just like, hell, just write a fan fiction about it, right? Just, yeah, doing there that whole go. thing. But, yeah. Um, all right, like so then as the, as the – Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so um, as the episode progressed, um, you know – Snow White back in the you know in the flashbacks, Snow White and Ariel are going to Prince Eric's under the sea celebration. Loved it. And then you know at the beginning of their converse, you know back earlier in the episode when they were on the beach, you know Ariel's talking and she's like, "Can we keep that under the sea for now?" Like there were two under the sea references, and I was like, "Boom, yeah. loving it, totally loving it." Like just thought it was totally awesome. Um, so then when they go to the ball and they're at the celebration, um, I know at one point I heard. I don't know. I can't remember if it was during the ball or not, but at some point I heard the musical cue from Part of Your World. I swear that I did. Like, it yes, was, I, I know. Yes, I heard a couple I, of strands of Little Mermaid yeah, music. I heard, there were yeah, a few I places heard, in the episode. Yeah, I yeah. heard it all over the place. And I was just like, Mark Isham, you are, you are such a genius. <laughs> I love his music so much. Seriously, I do. Right. Like, I love this soundtrack so much. I wanted to hear every everything i just want i want one big huge cd collection with every single everything on it i mean from every episode every tiny bit of music just all of it i thought it was fantastic anyway yes exactly um there were a couple little like small things in that you know part two that i loved like the fact that like the there was like an octopus sea witch as part of the decorations i thought that was just yes, it was the ursula ball i want to yeah, have the ursula yeah. ball now <laughs> I know, right? Like, I could just imagine where everyone comes in, right, and, like, the guest of honor, okay, like, whoever the hostess is, they're dressed up, like, in Ursula colors, right? But then everybody else who comes to the ball, they have to come in, like, different color tentacles. Like, you can't have the same thing, right? I'm totally picturing this right <laughs> now. Let's go. make it happen. Like, there we go, <laughs> right? Like, just some – and then we can serve calamari, right? Okay, just be with me here. And then we can make, like, little, like, octopus out of, like, deviled eggs or something with olives. Dude, I bet there's something on Pinterest for it. We can totally do it. I'm serious. Yeah. It wouldn't be this a problem This will be next year's Once Upon a Fan meetup. But instead of doing uh, yeah. Disney World like we're doing this year, we'll hold a big old Ursula ball. 
Exactly. We'll just have a Ursula ball, and and that'll be it. Like, that would just be fantastic. I think that'd be so funny. (laughs) Let's do it. Yeah, we got to talk to Gareth and everyone else. We'll just have to talk everyone into it. Okay. (laughs) So, but the other thing, too, is, like, at that ball, when Ariel's, like, it's a mini trident, salad trident, I was, like, that is so pretty woman when she's, like, dinner fork, salad fork, like, at least that was yeah. what I was thinking to myself. I couldn't help but think that. But what do you think about all that, Amy? I'm, like, talking away as here. As soon as she picked up the fork, I was like, oh, bingo hopper. Bingo hopper, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's what I thought every time I saw it. And then in the scene later on where she, you know, stabs it at Regina, I was like, uh-oh, death by bingo hopper. We can't have that. And I was like, that's exactly what I thought of the whole time, that every time there was a yeah, fork. Exactly. I love how many nods to the original Disney movie there were. Um, Obviously, the the Little Mermaid story itself is way older than the Disney version, and the Disney version is not uh, right in sync with what the original version was, but I love the Disney version, and I think there were so many nods to it in this episode. Like, you mentioned the music. There were the music strands. There was the the under-the-sea comments. You know, they had obviously the characters in there and there were just so many little tiny things too in it. I thought it was done so well. I loved seeing all of those little knots to the Disney version in it. Yeah, this was a really fun one for Easter eggs. Like, I mean, really, because uh, I'm, I'm like you, you know, I'm a huge Disney fan, so I was just, right. I was loving the, like every little, you know, every little thing that came up. I was like, because that, I mean, Eric at one point in the conversation when they were dancing, you know, he said um, that he, when he was talking about his, um, his caravan, his expedition, he planned to explore the unknown lands, which was a desert mm-hmm. from his kingdom to Agrabah. Like, first right. of all, the fact that that's how close, like, the Little Mermaid and Aladdin now are, and, of course, by way of Aladdin, we get to Wonderland and Alice and everything else going on on Wonderland. So, I mean, I was like, oh, my God, this just keeps getting bigger and better. Like, I mean, it's just, I'm so... I loving it like just all the little small things like that i thought that was great like the unknown lands whatever those are too lots of possibilities there really interested to see if anything is going to come of that ever because that just sounds like i mean let's go find out about the unknown land shall we like why not right and i know we have everything else that we need to go explore but still and angela mentioned in the chat room that ursula um well lana's ursula echoed a lot of the film lines and she definitely did. That was probably my favorite nod to the film. Was, okay. I know we're going to talk yeah. about okay. Lana so, yeah. and Ursula. Oh, yeah. We, let's just get into it now uh, then, right? Let's just get into it okay, right now. Yeah. Because, okay, so I have to admit, okay, don't hate me, everybody who's listening, but I was actually not that excited about Regina being Ursula. I was excited to see what Lana Perea was going to do as Ursula, but I was not excited about the idea that Regina would also be the Sea Witch, only because I thought it would take away from the importance of Ursula's character and who, mm-hmm. Ursula, and who you know, the standout that Ursula is because she has such a, a big personality and everything. But when right. I saw, you know, the episode and I, you know, saw what Lana did with it, she sounded just like her. Like, she sounded just mm-hmm. like her. I couldn't believe it. Like, some of the lines where she's like, oh, poor, sweet child. I was like, yes. that is right uh, out of the movie. That it. is just out of the I loved it. Definitely. I agree. I thought it was so, so good. And I, I'm kind of on the fence 
with what you mentioned about it. I was really excited to hear that Lana and Regina was going to be uh, Ursula, but at the same time, and I think I mentioned this to you in a private conversation, I had a feeling that she was going to be pretending to be Ursula because I really didn't see how Mm -hmm. she could have been you know, an under-the-sea character, because Ursula lives under the sea, and I didn't see in the history where at any point Regina probably lived under the sea. So I kind of figured she'd be faking, but I was so excited to see it. And I loved, she was so over the top, and she did sound just like Pat Carroll in some of the lines that she mentioned. Pat Carroll is the woman who voiced Ursula for the Little Mermaid animated Disney feature, and it was, I loved that she used the lines. And Ursula is, you know, Lana loves Ursula, the character of Ursula. That she's mentioned yeah. many times on Twitter. And she was so good. I loved that even her look with the, the yeah. white silvery hair and the, just the look of it was just like so designer couture version of Disney Ursula. I loved exactly. it. Exactly. It was so good. Yeah, I mean, I really did think that it was fantastic, and I was really happy for Lana, too, because, you know, like you mentioned, she is a huge fan of the Ursula character. She used Ursula as an inspiration for Regina, actually, Mm -hmm. so, you know, she got a lot of that, you know, a lot of Regina's behavior comes from, you know, the animated Ursula, so I was so happy that Lana got to, like, you know, get to kind of get her own dream fulfilled and get to play Ursula. I was stoked yeah. for that because I mean, I knew she was, I knew she was going to knock it out of the park no matter what she did because she was already incorporating Ursula into Regina's character. And I knew mm-hmm. that if she had a chance to go full on sea witch, that she was going to, you know, shake the show out of it, and it was just going to be totally awesome. And it was right. because, like, from beginning to end, that whole sequence was just, per- I mean, it was perfect. Especially when she was like you know, a little, like, mermaid. Like, she just, she mm-hmm. said it, she you know, she sounded so much like Pat Carroll. The only thing that I was, like, that I kind of think about now, and it just came to me, was I would have loved to see her be, like, you know, something where she was, like, no singing, zip. Like, you know, where she, like, does oh, that bit, where yeah. she, like, pops her lips. I thought that would, oh, that would have been fantastic. Oh, man, oh, well. But, yeah, it was just such a great scene. But, I mean, I thought that that was, it was cool. And then, of course, the twist at the end. Okay. Number one, number one. Okay, first of all, when Snow White got turned into the mermaid, right, and Regina comes walking up and she's laughing about it, she yeah, was wearing, like, her, her, her outfit had, like, little purple kind of almost tentacly things, like, in the neck, like, in the neck piece kind of that was coming around, you know, like, down the front. Like, the, the part that's going around her neck, it's shown purple at one point. And I was like, oh, that is sick. Like, that is so awesome. Like, yeah. the fact that they put that little detail in there, too, on the clothes, I love that. I thought that was great. But then at the end, when Ursula is, like, a real thing and the statue or whatever she was, like, came alive and wrapped her tentacles around Regina and told her never to pretend to be her again, I was just mm. like, oh, snap. Like, it's on now. You see what you've done? <laughs> you have upset the sea witch. Like, you don't know, Regina. She can grow to giant size and just go to town. Like, Regina don't know. So, right. you know, it's just crazy. <laughs> I, like, <laughs> like, it was just, it was so good. And let me see. Um, uh, Angie just said that her friends and her um, used to say that zip line as kids, too. So, I'm glad I'm not the only one who appreciates that. Angie is right. like I have a again. friend. Yeah, I have a friend of mine, and actually, when we were in high school, we would call each other on the phone after school. We were obsessed with that movie, 
And we would, this is back when we had VCRs and our DVD players, so, you know, showing my right. age. But we would, like, put the tape, the video into the VCR at the exact same time and hit play. And then we would just sit there on the phone, really not talking, just watching it. And then we'd bust watching out Watching it together, and yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then we'd, you know, we'd constantly, we still quote Disney movies, like, five-year-olds, like, all over my personal Facebook page. Every time I comment, to her, it's usually either a line from Aladdin or The Little Mermaid or something from Disney-related, you know, something pertaining yeah. to grim, grinning ghosts or you know, mermaids or something. So, yeah, we still, we definitely quote that all the time. I think a lot of people do. Angela, like you said, she mentioned that they used to say that zip line all the time. Yeah. I, I hear people say, you know, comments and things, just like with another big one is Princess Bride, which isn't Disney, but... I think that some of these Disney movies are just like that. They just sort of get into culture, and then people sticks with them. You just whip it out, and nobody yeah. ever you know forgets these lines. Yeah, well, I mean, and actually, maybe I should start calling you more often because I, I mean, I will want to. I'll quote Disney stuff all the time, and you know, so pe- sometimes people get it. Sometimes they don't. And sometimes they More don't, right? Often they and then don't. I feel sorry for them. I'm and then like, I feel, oh, yeah, 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 yeah I'm just kind of like, well, apparently you don't know about that part of the magic. So I'm just going right. to, you know, try and pretend, you know, incorporate that into something else. Because, or maybe I'll try to educate you instead and we can sit down and watch the movie and, you know, we can, we can learn. We can learn together the awesomeness that is the Disney animated movie on yeah. all the levels. When we okay, ride so the mermaid yeah. ride at Disney, I make my son sing with me. <laughs> Through the ride, he's always thrilled about that. He's uh, 13, so I'm sure you can imagine how excited he is <laughs> for that. Yeah, there, I mean, well, yeah, all of the excitement, right? I mean, all of the excitement, right. all of the magic going on. Yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, let me see here. So I have a bunch more notes on a bunch of other stuff here. So what else do we got? Um, okay. Oh, okay. So there were a couple of lines that, of course, Regina had that I want to talk about too. The first one was when she was like, oh, so you want to follow the evil munchkin's dirt road? And, I, <laughs> which, I mean, <laughs> that was so funny. Listen to me. I'm laughing yeah. at it now. Like, it, <laughs> that was so funny. I was, I seriously, I thought that was one of the funniest, you know, things that she said, just because it made me think of, you know, Oz and, you know, Regina being in Oz and just totally looking at the munchkins and being like, are you serious right now? Like, I can right. only imagine what she would think, like, when she, you know, when she saw them, like, who are, you know, what are they going to do? And then they'll, like, you know, totally pwn her or something. Like, they'll just, yeah. Anyways, well, then maybe they'll burn her or something because maybe she'll be the Wicked Witch. Who knows? But um, let me see. Oh, she also said saving our son when she was, like, going off to do her own thing and everyone's like, where are you going? Regina's like, saving right. our son. And I thought that was a great touch, too, because obviously mm. she's, you know, Acknowledging the fact that they're kind of co-parenting now, so to, I mean, kind of in a way with Henry. So I just thought that was really, you know, nice touch. And the other thing too that I'm noticing with Regina is that, and I noticed this in the last episode too, but I didn't talk about it last week, is when Emma was talking in last week's episode about um, being in the foster system and that kind of a thing. Regina, every time, like she gets this look on her face, and it's almost, I mean, it's like she, you know, in that she understands what she did when she cast the curse that, you know, mm. sent Emma away. And it's almost like, I mean, it's like a look of guilt almost is what is how I interpret that. I mean, she just, she has, yeah, every time that it gets something to me where Emma talks about her past, 
you know, that doesn't have to do with anything that Regina knows, and it doesn't have to do with her parents, and there's nothing that Regina can insult her about. Regina always just has this guilty look on her face, and it's like she really kind of in those moments understands, you know, what she did. And, yeah, I'm really interested to see if that's going to develop anymore because that's just such an interesting thing to have to, like, think about. I mean, really, we haven't seen Regina have a whole lot of thoughts about that. So, at least not out loud, not in the conversation. Yeah, when Emma jumped down and she said, no, I learned that from being in the foster system, talking about giving up hope, that it did, I mean, the camera angle purposely flashed to Regina right after she said that, and you could see that this awareness in her face that she's, Exactly. You know, she kind of had been snarky right before that, and then when Emma said that, she was like, oh, and, you know, kind of taking a step back, which I think could be an interesting turn for her if, you know, this they down the road end up, you know, trying to actually work together and co-parent Henry and be. I mean, it seems like we've seen both of them now mention this is our son, and there doesn't seem to be any more back and forth arguing about that point. So I think that definitely, I keep going back to that Thanksgiving comment from the episode where Charming was talking about how crazy Thanksgivings were going to be with that family between the Evil Queen, Snow White, Rumpelstiltskin, and Henry and Emma and everybody now. So I think that's going to be really interesting to see down the road. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there's. I'm really, I'm really excited to to just see. I mean, at some point, they have, you know, she has to deal with the consequence of what she did, right? I mean, at some point, I mean, I really just want Emma to tell, like, I really want there to be a scene where Regina is trying to tell everybody what to do, and it's, like, really tense and heated or whatever, and everyone's voices are going up, and Emma just tells Regina to shut up. Like, shut up. You are the one who did this. You cast the curse. You did, like, made all of this crap happen. Just shut up for once and let us do our thing. Like, I just want Emma <laughs> to put her in her place just once on it, and just <laughs> shut her up. Like, I love Regina. Don't get me wrong. She is one of my favorite characters. But Emma is my is, – she is, the number one, the hero of the story. Two, my favorite character of all time. And three, she, she, she deserves to. She wrecked her whole freaking life. Like, Emma, swan, baby, put her in her place. It's okay. <laughs> like, I just want to see it. It's got to happen. Like, it's just got to happen. That's just my personal opinion on it, folks. But it's just got to happen. I think we might just see something like that, but I doubt if it's going to put Regina in her place. Because Regina, I just don't see a, I think she might acknowledge down the road that, you know, yes, she was trying to hurt Snow and everyone else, but in doing that, she made Emma, you know, all these things that happened to her, and she had to grow up alone. And that's actually one of the, similarities between Emma and Regina is that they are both kind of always alone, you know, and Regina had parents, but we all saw how fabulous Cora was at parenting, but they, uh, yeah. I, I think that totally. they'll probably, I think there probably will be this big, you know, thing where Emma finally gets it all out and says it, but I just, I don't know, I just don't see Regina being put in any kind of place by anybody <laughs> I don't know. I think the one person who can who can do it is you know, is Emma. I mean, because you know, well, I mean, Rumple, I think too, but he's kind of, you know, he's kind of off doing his own thing, which is kind of what I want to get into right now. Um, uh-huh. When Pan and Rumple were talking, and in the beginning of the you know, kind of towards the beginning of the episode, 
And, you know, Pan knows Rumpel's favorite breakfast, you know, eggs in the basket. And now we all know, too. So I imagine that that will start appearing on multiple social media outlets as, you know, a nice Sunday morning breakfast or something. Um, Let me see. So, but um, I also thought that it was so, I thought it was just so, I don't even know what word I want to pick. When Pan told Rumpel that Belle looks fertile and suggested having another child. I don't. I was just like, whoa! Like, he really is not. He really just goes right for it, doesn't he? Like this kid. Holy yeah. crap! Like, he's just going for it. What did you? What did you think about that, Amy? Did you have any opinion on that? Because holy crap! I think when I saw that, it just cemented the idea that I have that this version of Pan is he's not tippy-toeing around anything. He finds what is going to get him what he wants, what's going to have the most effect or persuade somebody the most, and that's immediately the thing that he goes to. And whether that's something to hurt someone or something to get someone to do what he wants, I mean, he wants Rumpel to go because he kept talking about, they keep mentioning that one can't die without the other one dying, so I'm really excited to see exactly what that is about. I mean, it almost reminds me of the Harry Potter thing with Voldemort where you know, kept hearing about the prophecy in those movies about one, you know, that they had with one die, the other one was going to die, and they obviously have some yeah. kind of connection. But he, I th- he knows all this history about Rumpel and Neil or Bay, and he knows that Rumpel's desire is to you know, not be lonely anymore and to have this family. And that's immediately what he went to. He's like, hey, well, you could go home and just have a do-over, you know, forget about the old one and just have a new one. But I don't think Rumpel's going to gonna fall for that. Yeah, I mean, well, if he might fall for more than we think, considering that he thought that the shadow was actually Belle and then Regina came in and just kind of, you know, strangled her to death, so to speak. Okay. And then the... Yeah. <laughs> And then the shadow showed up. So, you know, I can't wait for Marilyn Manson to start voicing the shadow because that, that is coming pretty soon. So I'm, I'm very excited to hear what that thing sounds like because I'm sure it's just going to be creepy. But that whole situation, I just thought that it was just, I don't, I mean, yeah, he's, Pan is twisted and I totally, I'm really understanding everything that, you know, all of the actors and that Adam and Eddie said before the season started, you know, wasn't ever, or all the interviews that they've done since the season started too, as far as, you know, Pan's character and what kind of a person he is. I mean, I, I mm. totally understand everything that they were saying now and exactly why, like, so they said that we would understand, you know, why he's their most, you know, complicated villain. And I'm, I think mm. I'm starting to get it. I mean, obviously whatever his motivations are is going to reveal a lot more, but I'm, I'm really getting, why they said that because he's I mean he's almost I would love to see Pan against Regina I mean really I want to see what happens when the two of those you know you know when they get face to face I really want to know I'm excited to see what would happen there yeah he would be putting her I mean that was that's just going to be great but um the other thing too that I thought about when Pan told Rumpel that he suggested having another child totally related to what happened in the cave scene with Snow White um, right. Which, yeah. I mean, I, I'm just deciding that that's just what I'm going to call her, Snow White, because I, I her name is not Mary Margaret. It's Snow freaking White, so I'm just <laughs> going to call it that. So, because uh, that's just the truth. So the cave scene, Echo Cave, of course, um, 
you know, everyone had to tell a secret, and you know, that they would never reveal in order to rescue Neil. And, you know, Hook revealed that, you know, he never thought he'd get over Mila until he met Emma, which, you know, kind of sets up the whole love triangle between him and Neil going for Emma, which is kind of weird with the whole stepdad thing, but, you know, it is what it is. Um, and then, of course, Snow's secret, which, you know, I think that may have been the biggest one of all for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that that was the one that had the most kind of impact, and I think it's impact. because, you know, we – you know, we kind of, we knew that Charming was dying already. That was something that was already, you know, and that he was stuck on Neverland. Like, we knew all that stuff already. So I wasn't, you know, as surprised when he told Snow about that because I kind of figured that that would be the place. But I was surprised by, you know, what she had said about, mm-hmm. you know, we, you know, how they missed everything. I mean, she had, she had expressed that before in, you know, the, I think it was The Queen is Dead in Season 2 when they were burying Johanna. She says how, you know, she made the right decision when she sent Emma through the wardrobe alone and they'd missed her first steps. I mean, she's, you know, and then having to go back to her nursery and everything in the Lady of the Lake. You know, I I know that, you know, they've already talked about that kind of stuff, but to hear her just really let it all out and to say that, you know, she wanted another baby and everything, I was really kind of, I was kind of surprised by that because it, kind of, it wasn't maybe what I was expecting to hear. I mean... Mm-hmm. I, I didn't know what I was expecting to hear, but I don't think it was that. I mean, <laughs> certainly not. What did you think about that whole thing, Amy? I, I don't know. I I understand Snow's thinking that she wants to, you know, be this mommy that she always has the vision of being. But what I kept thinking of when I saw that scene was I wonder how that's going to make Emma feel because it's almost – I mean, it's basically what Pan was suggesting that Hook do, just sort of, you know, have a do-over, forget about the mistakes and the issues with your first one and have it, have another one. And if she does have this other baby, then back in Storybrooke or wherever they end up, Emma is going to then see this relationship that she was robbed of with her parents. That yes, it wasn't their fault and all that, but that. I mean, a lot of times, it really doesn't matter whose fault something is. It doesn't make it hurt you any less, you know. So I, that's what yeah. I kept thinking of is how is this going to make, how does Emma feel about that? Because I really feel like Pam thought by having them all do that in the cave, that was going to plant the seeds to tear them apart. He's obviously trying to break up the group. I think that he is aware that they are strongest together and that that only chance of defeating him is together. So he's trying to get Rumpel to leave and he's trying to break apart this other group. And I think he, that was his whole plan was that by having them admit things, they would never purposely say out loud or admit to these people that chances were they the reason that the secret's wouldn't have been out already is because they would be painful to the other people in that cave. So I think that's what he was counting on, and I think that is going to kind of eat away at Emma. Yeah, who also had a big secret, which we'll talk about here in a second. I am going to um, tell everybody, if you want to call in, uh, go ahead and start giving us a call, 347-677-1653. We're about halfway through the show now, so now would be a good time to get everybody calling in. Um, we do have Sarah Egan who's about to join us. Uh, Sarah is um, she, she's pretty good at making a meme, so I'm going to bring her on the line. Just one second. Sarah, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. 
Awesome. Sorry to keep you on hold there for so long. I didn't realize that was you. No, you no, not a problem. Not a problem. Uh, pretty good. Uh, just working on some once upon a time stuff and listening to this podcast. Awesome. Of course, yeah, once upon a time stuff. That's like the best thing you could be working on while you're listening to our podcast. So, yeah, exactly. hey, there you go. <laughs> yep. So, you know, as we're we're sitting here talking about the cave scene, what did you think about Snow White's secret of wanting to have another baby? I thought, like you guys said, I think hers, to me, like hers and Hooks were sort of like the, like the biggest reveal, kind of. We obviously knew about Charming. That was that, sta- that basically saved us three episodes of more lying that with that cave scene. But um, mm-hmm. I just, like, and I also kind of called it with Emma, like, okay, she, the way she reacted, she is obviously afraid. I think I kind of I got that with um, Emma. But with Snow, it's, like you said, in the beginning when she was going on and on about the, like, how she missed out and uh, she like, she loves Emma and stuff, but she, but then once she said she wants to do it, they want a second chance, and I was like, really? <laughs> like, I, I was shouting at my TV. I've never shouted at my TV anymore, like, than I have in this, from this episode. It was crazy. I'm like, yeah. And then, of course, of course, Charming would go second and tell her, I'm like, at least they're Telling each other the truth now—it <laughs> uh, was a little. Yeah, of all the times for him to tell her the truth, that was like, really? Like she just admitted to everybody that she wants to have another baby, not knowing how. Yeah, you don't have react. another and then, you, and then and then you turned around and say, "Well, if you have some a baby with somebody else, it's not going to be with me." And I was just like, "Really? Like that's <laughs> what you said to your wife? Like, dude, charming, yeah, charming. That's... You are messing up, my brother. Like you are messing <laughs> up, friend. Come on." His word choice was definitely poor. <laughs> One thing that did yeah, like, I was, I mean, spark my what? Oh, go What's ahead, it? Sarah. Oh, I'm sorry. The one thing that did like spark my curiosity was, what if, like, what would have happened if Regina didn't split with the group? What would have, like, what would her deepest darkest secret have been? Like, I, I was just thinking about that as soon as that scene ended. I'm like. Huh, what would his first secret have been to reveal to that group? Because mm. it seemed like the more the deeper the secret, the the more the bridge grew. And right. it grew the most from snow. And I think that's yeah. to me like how that's to me how the progression of that bridge showed the importance of the secret. Like Hooks was it was in the middle and Knows was the biggest reveal to me, and then Charming was just, yeah, Hook knew that, so it wasn't too big of a secret. So it, but for some reason, it was able to finish the bridge, and then of course Emma's like secret uh, was uh, to bring the cage open. And yeah, like okay, they, Emma's secret and wishing that Neil had been dead so that she wouldn't have to deal, you know, face their pain that she had gone through again. I was freaking yeah. out. I would be. I mean, I was like, 
I mean, not necessarily like – well, I mean, it, well, no, because that was insane. Like, that whole scene, that whole Kane scene, I lo- – okay, guys, sorry. I'm going to go off on one of my tangents. My mind. I apologize in advance. So, like, <laughs> I was sitting there watching the cave scene thinking to myself, this is one of the best scenes that they've ever done because when she said I, she wanted to have another baby, you're right, Sarah, the, the bridge did grow that, you know, the most. And that was funny because a friend of mine that I was watching was said – my boyfriend was like, oh, well – she just about finished the whole bridge. Like, okay. Like, <laughs> I was just like, I think oh they could have jumped yeah, at like, one point. They could have ju- attempted to jump across, but I think it was okay for them to Yeah, finish. no, but yeah, no problem. It exactly. the drama out of it. it yeah, it was, yeah, some more. Like, it funny though, because it was like, it was building the bridge, like, you know, like, they're like trusting kind of almost, it was like building the bridge to something. I just kind of, I thought that was an interesting kind of metaphor for, you know, like, because Emma was literally trying to, you know, build trust again in Neil. You know, they're trying to build trust again in each other. And then, of course, they, you know, they're building a bridge of trust, like, because they're revealing secrets. Like, I just, I thought that was fantastic. And then when she gets over there and she said, I love you, I probably always will, I just about, I was, I lost my little swan fire mind. I really did. I was just like, yes, oh, my God, like, yeah, please, just, yeah, you two together, quickly, as quickly as possible. Figure out your issues and just get together. And then, you know, he, like, he leaps out of the cage when it dissolved, and he hugged her, and I was, and, of course, it goes and shows Hook, and he's all, you know, sad, whatever. But then, you know, well, that, he's just going to have to get over it. But so, like, then, you know, <laughs> they're sitting there hugging each other, and, you know, I was like, yes, and then, and then, they leave the cave and they go outside, and Neil was like, I'll never stop fighting for you, ever. I was just like, yes, like, my, and then at that point, it was like swan fire fever for me, because I was like, yes, put these two together, please. Like, can we just put the two of them, like, there needs to be a scene where they are both, they both got a sword, and they're standing in front of Henry, and they're just, like, prepared to take Pan down. Like, please, for the love of gold, let there be... Like, let there be a scene where they're just both standing there, totally fairy tailed out, and just bad at. Oh my god! I, anyways, I'm done with my tangent now because like <laughs> that actually brings up a theory of mine that I came up with a couple days ago, and I'm pretty confident in it. I think I, I think I, I think I may know how they will get off Neverland. And seems pretty cool. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm wanting Pixie Dust to fly that ship home. But what do you think? Or if you want to talk about it, it yet, if you don't, it, then it that's actually, totally cool. But it actually does involve Pixie Dust, but not for the ship, but for them. They, I think that if they're gonna fly home, yeah. Once they are all regrouped, maybe they will fly out of there. But then. Because Tink will Tink at this point doesn't have any sort of magic. She had to use poppy seeds to get Regina down. But she will like how their plan said she was going to get an opening into their into Pan's camp. And then they will then the rest of them will get uh weeded in some way or somehow. And then while Tink is in Pan's camp, she will see Henry. Somehow, some way or another, they will start up a conversation. And Henry, being the truest believer that he is, will will talk to Tink and tell her, like, no, you are, you're supposed to be Tinkerbell. You are Siberian. And he will start believing in her again. And at that moment, 
it's like she will start gaining her pixie abilities, what like in like increments. They'll just like come like whooshing at her kind of thing, and in the midst of battle, she'll sprout her wings and what there is there's a like standoff point in the middle of the battle that they're having. They'll all fly out because they'll have Henry. Or at that'd least be a, that'd be a, that would be I a really cool idea. Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty sure we've talked about it before on the podcast about how, you know, Henry being the truest believer and Tinkerbell believing in fairies and it like, you know, it all has to, and believing in themselves, believing in each other, like since this, you know, the season theme is belief, like it all has to be related somehow. I mean, I'm, I think I'm, of the, I'm of the, yeah, I mean, it all has to be, you know, I mean, it's all going to be connected and I really, I would love, I actually think that I like your idea better than the idea of the ship flying home. Because I think that it would go really good with the way that the season started and having Henry, you know, flying with the pixie dust. It would be a fitting finale if they, you know, if the whole group of them flew home, just like, you know, in Peter Pan, the animated movie, when they all, like, fly through the sky. I think because if you think about it, right, if you have to have a happy thought to fly and they're all capable of flying and they all have a happy thought, then it's like the family has come together, so to speak, and so there could be some resolution to that. I mean, I'd be okay with that. That'd be pretty cool. That's a good idea, Sarah. I like that a lot. Like, but then, but then, right, they need to get, they need to get home to some crisis, which we did, you know, kind of talk about last week, too, about, you know, there was a report that said there'd be something else in play, but they all, if they all come together, there has to be another problem, like, immediately. Like, at least, unless the show is, you know, unless, like, only until the show is done, and then they can all go, yeah, do whatever, but, yeah, what were you going to say? <laughs> Yeah, either they fly out, like, from the pixie dust, or they go the classical route, and she, you, with, because of the lack of beam portals that they have, they can, she could enchant the ship and have it fly. Cause it's already made out of enchanted wood, so with the power of pixie dust, I think once they are all on, like, they could fly themselves to the ship, she could restore the ship with the pixie dust, and then they could use the see that infused ship can fly out there, like how the classical Peter Pan will be the theme. Yeah. Yeah. I think Either one. Be, Either yeah, one, I'll, I think. It's got it. There has to be flight involved. That's just, I mean, that's kind of it. I mean, there has to be flight involved. Now, another keep, thing, too, yeah. that we didn't really, yeah, I don't think we talked about this last week, but um, do we, like, is there a possibility, like, that Pan has drank the water from the spring and is stuck on Neverland now? Or is that, like, no. is that not possible? No, because he was in the Enchanted Forest with, um, at one point with Rumpel and Nasty Habits. He was able to leave that, he was able to leave Neverland. And he, to gather the boys with his, uh, Right, yeah, I remember, yeah, I remembered that part, and then it was, you know, beforehand, but I was just like, hmm, I wonder if something has happened since, like, that, because, like, because I'm thinking, like, why didn't he go, like, why did he send the shadow for, like, or why did he send Greg and Tamara for Henry? Like, why didn't he just go get him himself? Like, I was just kind of wondering about that the other day, and whether or not, you know, there's a reason why that occurred, or if, you know whatever, but, but see, this, I was just thinking about when that is, be something if he was stuck there, like, yeah. The thing is that I thought of is that when I thought the power through the water, once again, water being a significant uh, symbolic 
like thing on Once Upon a Time because once again it's being connected through all the worlds and through the mermaids and whatnot, which I will get to in a sec. But the, I thought the waters of Neverland were um, able to heal them, like heal of any ailment that they had. I didn't think it was because yeah, I don't think it would keep them young forever because that's what the island is for, the world is for. But because um, yeah, unless he got hit with something and he's dying technically, I don't know. But yeah. I don't know. I think I would have to watch that scene again with the waters and stuff to know the rules once again. Yeah, because it looks. Yeah, because it looks like um, the water. But I I do think there is something. Somehow Pan is bound to the island. I think something is wrong with Pan. Uh, Not lost again. (laughs) Other than the fact that he's a sociopath, I think that something is wrong with him. I think that. Somehow he is tied to or bound to the island and whatever it is that has caused the island to turn dark and whether it's the lack of belief from people or whatever has turned the island dark, I think that has also affected him. And I think I do think that he can't leave. I think in part of the resolution that we're going to see some of the background, I don't I have a feeling that with him it's not the water, though. I do think that he's somehow he's bound to that island. I really, really cannot wait for oh, the backstory with Pan and Rumpel. My son Jacob has yeah. been saying for a couple of weeks now oh, my that goodness. he thought that Pan and Rumpel were friends when they were both little kids. And but he I think just, too. So, yeah, and this is like just out of nowhere. My, my son's super into the show, too. So that we are talk about it all the time and we both cannot wait to see what exactly the backstory is with them how yeah, they're tied I together. can't wait either yeah I can't wait so the, the Pan Wendy inch, like the Pan and Wendy part of his story to be revealed because that's obviously a big classical thing yes you know Peter Pan and yes you know of Neverland but a good part of that story was him encountering the darling children and I cannot wait for that BT Dub I still think I think it's Wendy in the other box. It just makes sense to me because I, I thought about it for a little while now, and I'm calling it officially on the Once Upon a Time fan podcast, Wendy is in the <laughs> other box. I, That's what I think, I'm putting too. my entire gut on Yeah, it. Yeah, because, we've talked about that, too, yeah, about Wendy being in there because we've got to see her again. I mean, there can't be – I mean, it can't just be the end of it. And there's been some tweets that have been sent out that kind of – hint that she's back in the, on the set at least or who knows but I mean I'm pretty sure yeah Wendy is the one that makes sense because it's not Rumpel and that was the only other option that I would think because and I in mean, the original you know, story Dan yeah. wanted her to stay on the island because he wanted her to be like he wanted mother. her to be his mother right right yeah. right yeah see I think he I, that's another reason why I think he's bound to the island you know I I think brings all these people to him because he can't go out and be among people any other way. So I, I also but, think it's Wendy in the box. But I'm, I'm sorry. I just, I just have to say, every time we refer to Neverland as the island, I'm doing the face palm that Emma did in, uh, in the name of the brother, where she just, she just 
drops her her head onto the counter. I'm like, this is lost all over again. I don't need to suffer six years with with more references. It's, it was it's just hilarious because then you said your son is Jacob. I'm like, no, <laughs> he's gonna see. Uh, it's just, it's, I can't believe you guys will have a section on just all lost references. References. Oh, no, we do. Yeah, we talk all about that a lot. There are so many lost references. It was It's just, I'm like, there, there, that one. Oh, what she kind of referred to is kind of like what other character A on Lost did. And so it's, it's so many parallels, so many references that it's crazy. Not even the big shout out Easter eggs, like 815 and all, but it's just they're funny and yeah. it hurts a little on the inside because I just miss it so much. I'm like, it's there. <laughs> They're trying. They're trying to hurt me. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. All right, so let me see. There's a couple of other things that I have notes on too um, that I want to talk about. Um, let me see. So, okay, okay, this one. Regina said that her and Rumpel are the two most powerful practitioners of magic who have ever lived. And I'm sorry, but I have to disagree with her. A thousand percent, because I not only do I have the theory that you know Yen said the sorcerer is the author of the storybook, because that is what I think, um, just because mm-hmm. his hat was in there, and there's a bunch of other reasons, but um, but I I think that you know if Merlin is in there, we're talking about you know there's fairies too. Like for Regina to say that her and Rumpel are the two most powerful practitioners of magic I've ever lived, I was like, man, I really can't wait to see that blow up in her face. Like when there's to be you know going to be some reveal. Like I want, I'm so hoping that there's going to be a reveal down the road. That there's going to be you know some all powerful magic person who has been watching this whole thing happening the entire time, and is you know just you know been operating behind the scenes that none of them even know about. Like that's what I'm really hoping for. Like something has to show up that just totally you know, blows Regina and Rumpel away and they just have no idea, you know, what to do. And they, I mean, that's, that's, that was only, that's wishful thinking on my part, I'm sure, but that's just what I think. Like something has to happen. There has to be like, there has to be some thing going on, maybe the blue fairy or whatever, but yeah, there has to be something. What did, Amy, what did you think about that? Because that was a really interesting thing for her to say. Did you have an opinion on that? Did you catch that? Yeah, when I saw that, I actually thought about your theory about Yenses having written the storybook and being kind of the original all-powerful. And when I when I thought of when they said we're talking about the two of them being the most powerful practitioners of magic ever, I think that they maybe not so much the most powerful, but they certainly don't hesitate and debate back with whether it's right or wrong. If it needs to be done, then they just do it. And I think because of that, that does kind of make them really powerful. And mm-hmm. I, I do. I would love to see. I love villains in general. I'm. I love love the villains. And I would really like to see another really good big bad come into the show. So if there is some really powerful, magical, big bad person that can come in, I think that that would be just a really neat twist for when they get back to Storybrooke, which I know next week we are going to see Storybrooke again, so I'm pretty excited about that. Yeah, that preview that they showed looks pretty awesome. Like I said, I I can't believe that it's only – I'm very happy with it that they mention it, that Regina said they have been on, she's been suffering with the Charmings for a week, 
in Neverland. So yes. it would be Yeah, so and not yeah, and not gotten that's anywhere. Neverland. Yeah. That's Neverland time though. So we have to make we have to as when we see storybook, it's obviously there's going to be a time a significant time difference. So what they because what we went back to with Wendy said at the uh, uh, second start of the right, um, she said it felt like she was in Neverland longer, even though she was only there for maybe 12 hours, even though she was, seemed to be gone for just the night, maybe like 12 hours or so. And right. So we also, ha- so we do have to factor that in. So it's, which I always do, because I basically track the first, almost two-thirds of the second season on how much time has spent. It spent much less time during the second season than the first season did. Second season probably only took maybe two months, like in their time. It, maybe three months is pushing it, but two, about two months for the entire second season. So I don't know how long this is going to work for the um, season three on how much time right. is passing. Because with season and one, see, I told there was... Back, oh, I'm sorry. I was just going to say I agree with you. And I told back last week when we were talking that I have a feeling if they've been gone, say, seven days, and after all, when they get back, it's going to have been like seven years in Storybrooke when they get back. There's definitely going to be no, some kind I, of time I think, shift. I think it's Neverland has the greater... It's, from Storybrooke to Neverland, Neverland has the greater greater ratio because what she because I'm going once again I'm going back to what Wendy said it was um, she felt like she was there so much longer I think she actually said a unit of time a couple days maybe I'm not sure mm-hmm. but it um, Neverland has the uh, greater um, portion of time the the ratio of it so maybe like it, half a day in store in the real world, Storybrooke, uh, or London in the example is a couple days for uh Oh that's Neverland. right, that's right. Because Wendy was oh. talking about how long she had been gone. Okay, yeah. Yeah. yeah I definitely so I still think it would be different. totally awesome if, you know, like something switched and all of a sudden like when they go back you know, all of this time has passed. But at the same time, I also think it'd be hilarious if, like, you know, they all show back up after only, like, a day in Storybrooke or even the same day. <laughs> yeah, and, they're uh, like, oh, you just left. You know what I mean? Yeah, they're just like, oh, yeah, you just left. And it's like, like you know, because at the end of the episode, right, Regina sends Ariel after she took her voice, which was so sad we didn't even talk about that part, the fact that she took her voice in the end. Um, when she, and, oh, oh. Oh, okay, I have another point to make about what Regina said to Ariel in just a second. Okay, so Regina takes Ariel's voice and then calls her up in Neverland and send, you know, she's sending her to Storybrooke and that's how it's going to happen. So I think it's going to be, like, really funny if, you know, like, from what I could tell from the preview, Grumpy is sitting there eating lunch by the water and then Ariel pops up and is like, like, hi, I'm Ariel. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, exactly. That's and then um, the preview. But I'm like, I'm like, yeah, but, well, yeah, it is from that. But and also in the preview, though, she kind of pops her head up out of the water and says, I'm Ariel. So I don't know if yeah. I don't know if it's just the stuff from the preview or not. But either way, well, whether she's key. popping up there or if she's popping up over at the ship, I think it's going to be funny that, like, Belle and all them are still going to be there. And she'll be telling them, hi, they just left to go to Neverland. And then Ariel's going to be a pop-up and be like, hi, I'm Ariel. 
Rumpelstiltskin could send me because they've been there for a week, and Regina's been camping with the Charmings yeah. and not getting anywhere, and Snow White wants a new baby, and Emma just kissed, you know, like all this stuff. <laughs> like, oh, well, this stuff is like going on. I just recap. think it's going to be hilarious that it's only like 10 minutes, and then Ariel shows back up. Like, that's just going to be funny. Like, I'm looking forward well, to seeing how that's going to happen. They actually brings up something that I mentioned earlier that I wanted to talk to you about soon, is that how the significance of the water in its the um, how mermaids were able to travel through between realms because they could obviously swim through the because uh, water is everywhere. It's just like how August said in um, what happened to Frederick, where he brings Emma to the wishing well and he reads that plaque and he tells her that water is the key to life. It 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 connects everything. It's everywhere, and so that is. It, it makes perfect sense on why uh, mermaids are able to cross realms and uh, how it also fits into our, like, into the legends or, like, the, you know, the things that you see in, like, weird Discovery Channel, like, specials where, oh, this person is half fish, half human. It's like, no, that's wrong. But still, it it brings the whole legend of the mermaids kind of some credibility because then they could travel through realms. Maybe that's how people like us as outsiders to the magical world see the um, get these images of like mermaids and such. So they be real. They're just in a different realm right now. <laughs> that's my <laughs> kind, of, kind of like Kind of like if we just find the right wardrobe we can go to Narnia. Yes? Yeah, well, I'm all about trying to find, you know, I mean, yeah, if there was a way to get, yeah, anyways, there's a bunch of places that I'd like to go. Um, all right, so let me see here. I've got a few more notes. I have some more notes because, you know, I always take all my notes. All right. Um, okay. Was I the only one who thought that Ursula's voice, like the statue of Ursula, that when she came alive in the mirror, was I the only one who thought that she sounded like Sonequa Martin-Green, who plays Tamara, just with a deeper voice? A bit. She totally just sounded just like it to me. And I was like, it? I wonder if that she did the voice. But it wasn't she did her. not, no. It was but, yeah, Yvette. she did she sound did similar. Oh. It was Yvette yeah, I was just uh, like, Cole hmm. Brown from Good Morning Story, Good Morning Storybrooke, uh, the little special. She played uh, Goldilocks. And then She's she was able community. to... Put, her, yeah, and she was able to to provide the voice for Ursula. And she's a big fan of the show, too. And mm. um, I've heard. And I I loved how she did the voice for um, Ursula because I saw the credits, the opening credits, and I'm like, why is she here? I was so confused. And then at the, and then at the end, oh, that makes perfect sense. That makes total perfect sense. And she, and she tweeted later um, after the episode aired that she was very that she was glad to have done this and she loves the show and people retweeted and was like Adam and stuff about it. So I'm glad that she was on there because I, I love her as uh, from when she was on Drake and Josh as Helen, the, the movie theater manager and how she was always yelling and now she's Ursula. I'm like, oh, that's awesome. She's almost up there with the club of multiple character personalities with a, uh, uh, Rumble, because she was Goldilocks in the DVD extras, and now she did the voice of 
Ursula. So she's two different characters. She's up there. She's one more away from tying with Rumble, basically. <laughs> I love that you're keeping track of that kind of thing. That's so funny. All right. I mean, that's yeah, that's awesome. I love that you're doing that. All right. Let me see. Um, I have some more notes. Do I have more notes? Let me see. Do I have more notes? I don't have any more notes about that. So what I do want to discuss, though, is the fact that, um, you know, Wonderland is on again this week. So I want to make sure that I drop that little note, too, um, because it will be on Thursday at 8 o'clock on ABC. So we get to find out more of the history of the Red Queen and the Name of Hearts and and a bunch of other stuff. So that's going to be very exciting. We've got about 15 minutes left, and we have somebody else in the queue. So I'm going to bring them on the line. Hold on just a second. Hi, you're on the podcast with Once Upon a Fan. Who's this? Uh, hi, this is uh, Peter. How you doing? Hey, Peter. Good. How are you? Hey. Uh, yeah, long oh, my time gosh. listener, first oh, my time gosh. calling. Peter Pizza. Wow. Yeah. Sweet. Glad to talk to you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's nice, nice to be talking to you all. How are you doing? Good. Yeah, How are you? Good. Just, you know. Well, not For those bad. of you who don't know Peter, we talk to Peter all the time on Facebook and Twitter, but this is the first time we've ever actually gotten to talk to him. Yes. Yeah, with that's very Mark exciting. I think you may, uh... <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, Peter, you're going to uh, Enchanticon, yes? Are you coming to Disney World to see us? Yes, I will be there at Enchanticon. Um, um, kinda, I'm really looking forward to it, but although I am a little nervous too, you know, meeting so many new people. You know, I'm a little shyer in person than I am over the internet. See, <laughs> I think that's I think that's true for most of us. But I think that once we get you know in person and and talking together, I don't think it's going to take long for for that the to kind of fall away again. a little bit. Yeah, because uh, <laughs> yeah, we're all uh, we're all a little bit nervous too as we sit here trying to figure out you know it's like planning our panel and what we're going to say to all of you folks exactly and how we're going to do that, you know, line up. So, you know, I can definitely understand the nerves there. Um, what did you think of this week's episode? We've got a few more minutes to talk about that. What was the, what were some highlights for you? Uh, well, you know, I enjoyed the general discussion about the episodes and, uh, you know, um, about, uh, you know, the interactions between the characters and that kind of stuff. Um, what did you think about the secrets in the cave? Oh, oh, the secrets in the cave. I thought, uh, well, you know, I thought Emma's was the most shocking secret. Basically, when you you know tell somebody you wish they were dead, I think that kind of takes precedence. Um, <laughs> Uh, but I also thought it was a very honest moment for her, although they already built the bridge at that point. I don't know if she really needed to confess that. Um, I don't know. But, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, and uh, and I hope hopefully maybe there will be some tension between the Charmings because, uh, you know, their storyline could use a little perking up, in my opinion. But anyway... <laughs> Yeah, well, I think that's kind of, too, like, this, that's what this whole, you know, Charming not being able to leave Neverland and the fact that he lied, I think that that's kind of what that's going to do because they have had it pretty easy as far as, uh, you know, since the curse was broken, they haven't had a whole lot of a part, you know. I mean, yeah, she went to the, the Chain of Forest and everything, but otherwise they kind of haven't really, you know, they even got to see each other in the room full of fire. So it's not like they were really, you know, separated that long. So 
I kind of I do kind of agree like they need something to to shake it up for them a little bit on their relationship and I'm, that's why I'm kind of happy that that the truth is out now and now you know she can I mean what is she going to do with the fact that she wants to have a baby and her husband is like stuck in Neverland and then like when they finally do rescue Henry I mean obviously you know Charming has to go home but you know what, yeah. what how is that how is that all going to play out like it's just it's just very interesting yeah so that'll yeah. definitely be Something for sure. What else? What other? You know, what else stood out to you? I'm sorry. Could you repeat that? I couldn't hear you. Yeah. What else stood out to you? Was there anything else that stood out? Oh, really? Well, of course. You know, I'm a big uh, Evil Queen fan, so I enjoyed all of her scenes. Of course. <laughs> um, she's basically she's on a roll this season, in my opinion. Um, I love every every scene that she's in, basically. Um, uh, I love her. I love her interaction at the beginning with Emma. How they know how to push each other's buttons to get the magic going, so to speak. Um, I liked uh, all those, all her lines as the evil queen, the you know the catch of the day, and all that kind of stuff. That I love that kind yeah, of stuff too. Yeah, those were too. hilarious. Um, I enjoyed. I mean, I never seen uh, somebody get stabbed in the neck with a fork before. That was interesting. Um, <laughs> yeah, that was great. <laughs> yeah, a little dingle hopper to the throat action. Yeah, yeah. just a tiny bit. Yeah. <laughs> That's my dingle hopper. The proper etiquette, you should have used a salad fork, in my opinion. But um, <laughs> anyway. <laughs> anyway. Um, but, you know, it's the mermaid. She'll learn. She'll learn those things. So, you know. <laughs> but uh, uh, there's a lot to like in that episode. Um, I, I, I didn't see The Little Mermaid very much growing up, I'm afraid. It wasn't really my movie. But uh, there was plenty for me to like in that episode, nevertheless. And it's because of my girl, Regina, basically. So. <laughs> yes, I, and I love like Regina. She's my favorite. I also like how she tried to get rumpled get his groove back, so to speak, you know? He's been sitting on that lot for who knows how long talking to that shadow, you know? Right, right. He needs to get back. Yeah, when, she, when, that she said, when she was like, I need you, I need Rumpelstiltskin. Like, and then yes. when he was, and then when he said, you know, my, that is his survival instincts that kicked in, and she says, there's my malevolent, malevolent imp. I was just like, Regina, you've got some language, girl. Like, you can work a dictionary like nobody's business. Like, that's just mm. ridiculous. Like she's got, yeah. seriously, she has had some of the best lines this season. I mean, you could uh, put them all on a T-shirt. I think they're just fantastic because it's they're just yeah. all yeah. new uh, idea. Yeah. Got it. <laughs> well, I know everybody's got their favorite. That's that's my favorite character. But um, I don't know. There've been a lot of standout moments all around. I think, in my opinion, uh, I really think this uh, season's been going very well so far. Um, I'm. I can't wait to see what happens next week. Yeah, I agree. The uh, the preview for Same. next week's episode just looked. I mean, I'd be, it was really nice to see Granny and you know the dwarves and Belle. Like it was. I mean, it was really. I'm kind of. I'm excited to see those characters again now that we've spent so much time in Neverland. I am. I can admit. Yeah, I'm. I'm really looking forward to seeing what's going to happen in Storybrooke. The whole. I mean, it looks like. From the preview, it looks like, you know, the protection spell does go out. It looks like it's coming out of the sewer. So, I mean, you know, it looks like that part of it <laughs> goes well. the center of the and, town, so yeah. Yeah, in the center of the town, you know. So 
Yeah, hopefully not. Yeah, hopefully that's, <laughs> that'll that's be all the that new curse. Spell and it's not something. That, yeah, that is the new curse exactly. Like Storybrook. They'll get back and the, yeah. the entire town will be flooded with sewage. Yeah, oh, exactly. And, and yeah, and Regina and yeah, that's just yeah, that would be horrible. Oh my God. Anyways, well, yeah, when that that's something. Up a good point so, where from the preview, like I to me, I think I only saw like Storybrook scenes and Neverland scenes because I think they're going back and forth. So I think this is probably going to be another one of those episodes where it's there's going to be no flashback. Maybe it's just going to be kind of like how they did in um. Uh, Into the Deep season two, where it was just they just went back and forth between the two worlds. They didn't even go, they didn't even do a flashback. And mm-hmm. so, I, yeah. I think that will make a lot of sense for this episode. So, I'm hoping that um, that's the case because I think even though to me Into the Deep was a little on the weak side of that arc but I think I liked how it was set up to where it was just focused on the two uh, worlds of Storybrook and when they were in the Enchanted Forest. But in this case, I hope it's going to be the Neverland and the... Um, yeah, but I think that... Is... I can, I, it seems like there'd be a little too much to have Neverland and Storybrook and any kind of a flashback. I mean, maybe they could have... Yeah. One, but the normally two, like the flashbacks, you know, they, and... they're... They're as significant of a story as the current stuff, so you can't normally do it that quick. Yeah. Or how they did with, um, kind of like how they did with some of the episodes where, or like in the premiere episode, season three, they only showed 90 seconds of a flashback, and the rest of the episode was in, well, at that Never point, it was, in three different, it, was in, it, was yeah. in three, it was in three different spots, actually, with Henry, with the ship, and then with Neil, but um, but there was only that one flashback, or kind of like how, once again, going back to season two, when they were stuck in the Enchanted Forest, they would do the entire episode of, like, for example, We Are Both. It was all storybook and all flashback, and then the last three minutes of Five, the episode, yeah, it, was, it was that. Yeah, it showed that, yeah. yeah. That, I, that, I liked how they set up. I didn't like how they did for the doctor, um, the fifth episode where they did all three of them in, in equal increments. I'm like, no, that's just, it's not getting the story told fast enough. So it's the lost effect, basically. After lost, all TV shows want to get, if they want to bring out the drama and the mythology to the show, this mystery element, they don't want to keep a mystery hanging too long. Otherwise, it will upset the, the viewers because they, they want to know they wanted to know what's in the box, and they didn't want to keep that in there for too long, thank God. And so they they have been getting, I've noticed during this season, that they have been answering a ton of questions very quickly, and they have left, they haven't left anything hanging. Like, chart, like the whole cave scene, once again, it, brings, it brought out the drama that could have lasted probably three more episodes if they didn't do that. And so that's what I did like about that this episode. Sorry, that's my tangent. Yeah. I'm sorry. No, no, you're totally fine. It's totally cool. Uh, we are down to our last three minutes. So I just want to make everybody aware of that. We're going to be wrapping up the show soon. And I wanted to make one final observation, actually, about what Regina said to Ariel when she took her voice, which is that she said, the only thing worse than telling your true love and having him reject you 
is never telling him at all. And I was like, you are totally taking out on Ariel what you did to yourself when you didn't go into the bar and tell Robin Hood yeah. that you were his true love. Mm-hmm. try to talk That's to cool. the man. Like, I was like, that is all this is about. You are all pissed off at a mermaid for something that you did to yourself. Like, that's that's it. Like, that, yes, I was I like, love that. that I, was I didn't realize that. I, that's, that's really cool. I didn't realize that. That's awesome. Yeah, there's always, there's always, like, Regina is really just layered and fantastic and awesome. And, yeah, just, I love every single, just come kind of like Peter. I love every single thing that she's in. So, yeah. All right, since we are actually getting down to our very last minute and a half here, I am going to um, let our callers go. So, Sarah and Peter, thank you very much for calling into the show tonight. I do appreciate it. And, Peter, it was really nice to get to talk to you on the phone finally. And, Sarah, it's always fun talking to you. So um, (laughs) I I will see both of you on the interwebs. Um, and yes, then for yeah. everybody who's listening, yeah. And then for everybody else who's listening, um, thank you again for listening to our podcast. Uh, the number to call in is three four seven six seven seven one six five three. So next week, if you want to join us, um, you can definitely do so. Uh, next week will be the last um, episode of this podcast before we go to Disney World, and we'll be holding a special um, Disney World edition, um, Enchanticon edition of the Once Upon a Fan podcast here in two weeks when we're all in Orlando. And we'll have a little bit more information for that um, on next week's news roundup. So you can look forward to that. Um, thank you to my co-host, Amy, for joining me tonight, as always. It was a pleasure talking to you, and I will be talking to you again throughout the week as we watch Wonderland and make all kinds of little comments to each other. Um, everybody, check out Twitter, Facebook, onceuponafans.com for information on Enchanticon, um, our trip, the Once Upon a Fan staff trip to Disney World, um, the upcoming, you know, Stand Up to Cancer charity auction, everything like that. Ten seconds left. Thank you very much for listening, everybody. Good night. Good night. Good night.